0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Running with the Giants. I want to talk to you today uh, from the man in the Bible in the Old Testament called Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man who was exiled uh, from his hometown in Jerusalem, and uh, he is working as a cupbearer for the king. And many of you know the story of Nehemiah. He was one who was known for going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so I'm excited to kind of dive into this as we kind of study this scripture. We see that Nehemiah did certain things on what it, what it took to really rebuild the walls. And so I want to talk to you from that concept context today, if we were walking with Nehemiah, us asking him the questions, what are the tips you would give us on how to really build our lives, to build our lives? So I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, In Jude chapter one in verse 17, it says this, but you must remember beloved the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last days or last times, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions it is these who cause divisions worldly people devoid of the spirit but you beloved building yourselves up and your most holy faith, and faith excuse me not faith and praying in the holy spirit Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Building yourselves up in the faith. If you go back one slide for me, building yourselves up in the faith, and it says, and and praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up in faith. There's this concept that God desires for us to build ourselves up, and he desires to build us up. The scripture talks about Jesus. He says, who would build their life or their house on on the sand. If you do, when the waves and the storms come, they'll crumble, but build your house on the rock so that when the wind and the storm comes, your life and your strength will remain. So that being said, there's this concept we see in the scripture that God desires for us to be people that build ourselves up. And we see in the scripture that Nehemiah is one who builds the wall. And so if we were walking with Nehemiah, I'd ask him, hey, give me some tips on how to really build effectively. And I believe as we read the scripture together, we'll see that today. And I believe, again, it's important for all of us to be people that desire to continue to build our lives the way God has called us to. We all sing the song. We all know it. I will build my life upon Three people know it. Well, bless God. This is a good church family. Praise God. It is a. I will build. <laughs> Y'all know how we start to build. Next thing you know, you're like, yeah, yeah. Like I want to. You know what I'm talking about? No, just me. Okay, cool. We sing the songs and we read the scriptures, but again, it's such a, it's such a, a vague term and it's such an abstract term, Well, what does it really look like to build our lives the way that God desires for us to? I'm glad you asked. I believe we see it. In Nehemiah today, in Nehemiah chapter 1, and starting in verse 2, it says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me. Here's what was happening. Uh, Nehemiah was serving the king, and his, some of his friends had gone back to Jerusalem to see how things were going. And it says that they had re- arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned them from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Check this out. In verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Here's Nehemiah. He's excited. His friends are coming back from his hometown. He's like, man, he asked, man, tell me what's going on. Tell me about about life. Tell me how it's going. Man, I can't wait to hear about it. He's hyped. He's excited. They said, let me tell you something. It ain't good. Oh, man. I mean, negative Nancy. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? If your name's Nancy, I'm sorry. But, you know, they they just get negative. Like, oh, man, let me tell you something. Things are not going well at all. And in fact, they're in trouble. They're in turmoil. There's disgrace. Oh, my goodness. The walls and the gates have been burnt down by fire. This is not good. As we read the scripture and we're talking about this context of how to build, I believe that this is so important as we continue to walk with the Lord and as we continue to allow him to to build us up the way that we desire for him to and the way that he desires for us to, we have to first identify the source of what needs to be built. He says he asked, the Bible says he asked, how were things going? He wanted to know, he was evaluating the situation. How are things going? In our lives, here's the question we have to constantly be asking ourselves. What in my life needs to be built up? What in my life needs to be built up? period, maybe, or maybe something that's been falling apart or maybe something that is completely falling apart. What needs to build up in my life? What is it? Because that's the target and what I need to know in order to really continue to seek God and allow God to challenge me, to help me to continue to grow the way he's called me to. We can't build the way God wants us to if we don't think anything's ever broken. What in your life needs to be built? Maybe it's your relationships, Maybe there's been tension between you and your spouse or you and your boyfriend or girlfriend or you and your fiance and there's been tension and it's caused distance in your life and so now there's this distance and so now you're, you, don't know, you don't necessarily know where to go from there. Maybe it's in your finances. You've been spending, spending, spending and the credit card companies are calling. Come on somebody. How do we build our finances? Maybe it's your walk with the Lord. That you've distanced yourselves, or maybe you've fallen into something and so it caused you to distance yourself. And now you're at this place, you say, Okay, well, how do I rebuild this? How do I build up my relationship with Him? We have to be able to identify what it is. Maybe you're discouraged from something that happened in your life and you're saying, How do I build back? To be the person God's called me to be. Maybe you're moving here, or maybe you got a new job. And you're saying, okay, how do I build to be the right person for people around me? It's so important that we'll be able to identify what it is God is challenging us to build. I love in Jude, we just read it. He said, building ourselves up. And he says, praying in the Holy Spirit, seeking the Holy Spirit and asking Him, God, what in your life, what in my life, excuse me, what in my life? Are you desiring for me to focus on to build up in my life? It's so important that we would be able to identify that in our lives. What in your life needs to be built up? And it's interesting because he was building the wall. And really, the wall is, can, can collapse or fall for two ways. One, through corrosion, through just not maintaining the wall. You know, y'all seen articles, you've probably seen news reports where bridges, they collapse because they've corroded from the inside out. And the bridge ends up collapsing or, 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 or an interstate or pillar. And so what can happen is through corrosion, the wall can collapse. Or a second way that it can collapse is through an outside force. It's the same thing for us spiritually. For things that are in our lives that need to be built up, here's what happens. They corrode from the inside out, meaning we start to distance ourselves, we start to create the tensions, or it's an outside force that comes in, the devil may, enemy may attack you spiritually and cause you to fall or cause you to do something. Now, let me say this, oftentimes what we do is we like to blame the enemy for attacking us to justify us not wanting to work on the things that are corroding in our lives. I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be honest with you, that flat tire you got wasn't the devil. When you got the flat tire, you're like, oh man, I was on the way to work and man, I was just, I was in the right mode. I had the worship music on, you know what I'm saying? And I was just worshiping Jesus and all of a sudden I just heard the flat tire and the whole, my whole day's been ruined. The devil's just attacking me, Pastor Jordan. No, ma'am, sir, the devil's not attacking you. You know that that tread has been weak for like six weeks and you just been riding on the spirit, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, I was on the way to work. I was on the way to class and man, I just ran out of gas and the devil's just attacking me. I ran out of gas, ruined my mood. Sir, ma'am, no, the bright, the bright light's been blinking at you for six days and you've just been trying to trust Jesus that you're riding on fumes, you know what I'm saying? And you're singing, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Oftentimes what we can do, seriously, we can even do that in our relationships. You say, oh man, the devil's just attacking our relationship. Is he? Or are we just being selfish in the way that we're living our lives? And so what is it in our life needs to be built up. And then when we look at that, we need to evaluate, okay, why is it that it needs to be built up in my life? Why is it that my walk with God isn't the where, it sh- where it should be? Is it that the enemy's attacking me or is it that I'm just not using discipline and I'm being lazy and I'm not seeking him the way that I should? Is this all right? It's so important that we be people that really continue to be people that desire to build our lives on him. You have to identify the source. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, I love this. It says that when when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah, he hears that the walls have been collapsed in Jerusalem and they're not doing well. He doesn't say, okay, let me write down seven tips on how to fix this. Let me give you the the leadership guru, and I'm all about leadership guru stuff, but let me give you leadership tips on how to do. No, here's what he does. He says, I got to get on my knees and I got to seek God. How do we really build our lives? By seeking God. How do we really rebuild areas of our lives that maybe have collapsed? We have to seek God. Let me just encourage you. Let me just challenge you. Let me just let you know. If we build on anyone else or anything else other than God, it will never last. It will always fail. We have to build our lives on him seeking God. I love that it says he fasted pretty immediately. He went, he started fasting and praying, seeking God, because he knew he knew that God was the only one that could take care of the situation. In our lives, we can get so caught up in our own strength. And what we think we can do, oh, we'll just fix the relationship or, oh, we'll just fix the, we'll fix the finances or we'll just, we'll just work really hard and cut corners so that we can get that promotion. And No, it needs to come down to, God, if you're going to be the one to build this, if I'm going to build this, God, I want you to be the one to do it. Why? Because I know it's, if it's in your hands, it's going to be successful. It's going to be healthy. In our lives, we have to seek him now. Seeking God, we, can, we say this all the time, this term, seek God, and it can be such an abstract term. What does that look like? We desire to, and, but how do we really do that? I'm glad you asked. And actually the next few scriptures, Nehemiah actually specifically shows us how we seek God. And I love the Bible. It's so specific. If you study the word, I encourage you to, please study the word. You will, you'll see how specific the Bible is on one, teaching us who God is and his heart, but also t- him teaching us how we're to walk out our faith and walk with him. And it, I love it. He seeks God and he gives us ways that he does that. Watch this in verse five. It says, then I said, O God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him, and obey him and obey his commands. He says, oh God of heaven, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. How do we seek God? Praise, praise. Now I'll say this, I talked two weeks ago about praise. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back, you can read that. So I'm not gonna watch that. I'm not gonna talk a lot about praise, but I'll say this. I love that, that, that Nehemiah puts God in his rightful place. He says, oh God, oh Lord, God of heaven, awesome. Oh Lord, God of heaven, awesome. He puts God in this place and says, God, you're the God of heaven. Meaning this, God, you're the God of everything that I'm facing in my life. See, oftentimes what we can do, it's interesting as Christians what we can do. We can almost treat God as a servant. We can go to him with our expectations on what we think he should do. And so then we actually think that God is here to serve us. Well, God, I need this relationship. God, where are you? You promised me. You said you'd give me the desires of my heart. So God, where's my boo? Where are you? Well, hold up a second. I'm going to praise you first. Because I know, God, you're good no matter what the circumstance. My, I'm going to put you in your rightful place, meaning this. I'm going to put you in, in, in above all else and know that, God, you're the one that I trust, and you are good no matter what I face. I'm not going to come to you expecting you to serve me. You're not my servant. You're my savior. It's so important that we understand this because, again, we can go to, to God with our requests. We can have this concept of thought that, go, oh, well, because we prayed for three days or because we fasted or because we're asking God. So now it's like he's this genie in a bottle. And so now we sit and we wait. God, you better show up. And then if he doesn't, well, then we get frustrated, we get upset, and then it's, oh, it is what it is. Oh, I, God doesn't care about me, or God doesn't love me, or oh, maybe it's not maybe it's not supposed to happen right now. Here's what I know, here's what I know. We start with putting God in his rightful place. You wanna seek God, put him in his rightful place. He's Lord, and we praise him. Does that make sense? Then it goes on, it says in Nehemiah verse 1 and verse five, as we continue on in verse five, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. How do we seek God? Praise and then penitence. Repentance. I love that he doesn't say, God, they all sinned. (sighs) Oh, God, they're such sinners. (sighs) They're a horrible people. He says, even I, my own family and I, have sinned. If we really want to seek God, it starts with repentance in our hearts. We live in a world and a culture where it's so easy for Christians to complain about our culture, to complain about what the world looks like, to complain about the decisions that are being made, to complain about blah, 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 all the different things that we all can complain about. But I love that it starts here. He says, Lord, forgive me. I want to repent. I've been wrong. Why? Because he knows this. God can't build something on a messy slate. I got to like, if, God want, if I want God to build something, I need to clean my slate. And so then from my repentance, then I'd say, okay, God, now a clean slate. Now you can build what you're calling and desiring for me to build in my life. We have in our home, we have this counter in the kitchen that's become designated male counter. It's become the designated area for male. When I, now, when I say this, this was not Ashley's doing, this was Jordan's doing. Over time, I just, there's a spot, there goes the mail. There goes the mail, junk mail, good mail, bad mail, happy mail, doesn't matter. It all goes in a spot. Well what can happen is in about two weeks, for those at home own homes, you know, you can just get the most random mail. In about two weeks, it is just piled up. Piled up. I mean it's piled up. Now I don't know what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, what's not. It's just all piled up. Now, here's what's interesting. There could be something in that mail, and it, sometimes there are. There are checks from reimbursements or whatever, and here it is. I can't find them because of all the mess that's in the pile. Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. It's the same thing with you and I when we're trying to build our lives, and God's trying to build our lives in him. If we just, we just say, oh, we'll just pile on this relationship. Oh, we we'll just pile, and so we just pile on something that's even good onto the mess of our lives without repentance and a clean slate. Here's what happens: a mess, even if it's good, if it's piled onto a mess, at some point it's going to become a mess. So you may have a godly relationship and you may have somebody that you really are interested in, but your life has not been healed and your heart hasn't been healed and and God's trying to get you to do it. Or maybe you haven't repented or maybe you have repented in your words, but you haven't repented in your actions. or I don't know. And God's still trying to do something in your heart, but you're so excited about the relationship, you just try to pile the relationship on top of the mess. And next thing you know, six months later, your life's in chaos and you're like, I don't know why this is going on. It's because you piled something good onto a mess and something onto a mess is always going to become a mess. This is why it starts with repentance. God, change me. Don't change so-and-so. I don't need you to change so-and-so. That's between you and them. God, I need you to change me, change my heart, change my bitterness, change my unforgiveness, change my anger, change my hurt, change my wounds. God, I repent first. This is how we see God. I'm giving you very practical tips we see in the scripture of how Nehemiah shows us how to seek God. Nehemiah chapter one and verse six. It says this, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying day and night for your people in Israel. See me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Persistence, giving you four Ps. Persistence, night and day. Praise over, consistently over and over and over and over. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, Keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Keep on. Oh God, I've been asking for two years. Keep on. God, I've been trusting you for six weeks. Keep on. God, I've been waiting on that promotion. Keep on. God, it's been 20 years I've been praying for my child. Keep on. God, I've been praying for healing. Keep on. The scripture says, and this is Jesus speaking, if you ask, if you keep on asking, you will receive. And so the persistence of our heart has to continue to say, and not just doing it out of repetition, but doing with passion, saying, I'm going to trust God and know that he's in control. So I'm going to continue to be persistent and asking him for what it is that I need in my life. Persistence. Then it goes on in verse 11. It says, oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Check this out. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it on his heart to be kind to me. Four different ways. Praise, penitence, persistence, and then petition. Petition. Petition is now I'm bringing my requests to God. See, oftentimes what we do is we start with that. God, I need you to do dot, 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 dot. God, I need you to dot, dot, dot. No, if you really wanna seek God, Okay, I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna put you in your rightful place. God, you're Lord of all. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna be persistent. I'm gonna continue on, continue to be persistent, trusting you and seeking you. And then God, I'm gonna bring my requests to you. And then from there, we see Nehemiah. I love it. He says, look, give, give me favor in the king's eyes. Now watch what happens. This is verse 11. This is the very last scripture of chapter one. In chapter two, check out what happens. It says, uh, when I heard this, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Early the following spring, In the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in its ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king asked, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are built, or buried, excuse me. So interesting between chapters 11, uh, chapters one, which ends in verse 11, chapter two, which starts in verse one, it says that he prayed night and day. And then it says, and he asks God, give me favor with the king. Then we see the very next verse. He goes before the king and the king notices something's going on and he asks him, and he, he, he asks, and guess what happens? God gives him favor with the king. Now, here's what's interesting. We see no in-between from verse 11 to verse 1 of chapter 2, but yet this, this was months later. It says, early in the, the following spring, Early in the following spring, so this was months later, the, the, the prayers that he was asking were in the, in the, most believe in the winter time, it was like November, December time. This was between, they believe, April and May time. So here's what happens. There's months in between, he's praying, asking for favor. We see the instant, because we see from one verse to the next, and so we think, this is who God is. Well, if I pray it, I'm going to get it. I pray it, oh, I know for a fact, if I pray, boom, it's going to happen. But it's interesting God allowed him the opportunity to wait and be patient for the right moment. God's the one that opened the door, not Nehemiah. God's the one that opened the opportunity, not Nehemiah. Nehemiah did not run to the king and say, guess what's happening? No, he waited for the king. He's been praying, asking God to, to take care of king, the king's heart. He waited for the king to respond or react to him, and then he opened his mouth. He then took the opportunity. See, oftentimes what we do is we say, okay, we're gonna pray, and we prayed. Okay, now we're just gonna step out, and we're gonna go do what we wanna do. No, 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 hold on a second. We must wait for God to open the opportunity and open in the door in our lives. This is where patience comes in. It's so vital that we would be people that are patiently waiting. We can seek God, praying, absolutely, but also we must be people that pray. Then the scripture says at the very end of verse five right here, he says, I want, you to, I want to ask you, send me. Let's just show me, we're talking about how Nehemiah challenges us to build. How do we do that? We have to be people that identify the source. We have to be people that make sure that we're seeking God, but then also, I love this, we have to be people that are willing to step up, step up. He said, send me. He didn't say send Joe down the street. He didn't say go tell so-and-so from the, Susan from the store. He, 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 here's what he says. He says, king, send me. He didn't go, hear me. He didn't go to the king and start complaining about all the issues. Oh man, king, if I could tell you all the issues of what's struggling to happen. He didn't, no, here's what he did. He said, I see a need, send me. See, could it be that sometimes God God allows us to see a need in our lives because he desires to use us to fill that need? But we are so caught up in complaining and critiquing the need that we miss the opportunity to be used by him. And your relationships, oh, I'm going to preach to you for a second. I'm excited about it. And your relationships, could it be that the very thing that you're struggling with with your relationship and you're waiting for them to respond to you, you're waiting for them to act, you're waiting for them to be selfless? Could it be that God's showing you the need in your relationship because he's wanting you to step up first? Could it be the problem that you see is not a problem, it's a privilege to be used by him in your relationships? Could it be in your workplace, the very issues that you see in your workplace, that God is showing you those issues because he desires you to step up and fill those needs in your relationships, in your workplace? Could it be that God shows us a need and a problem because he desires for us to step up and fulfill that need and it's a privilege to be used by him, but we are so caught up in complaining about the situation that we miss the privilege that he's trying to give us? In church, oh my goodness, the people like to complain about church. Oh my goodness, it's all good. Listen, I'm all about complaints. Come talk to me about your complaints. All good. But maybe God's showing you something in our church because he's wanting you to fulfill the need, but we're so caught up in trying to complain about it, we miss that God's wanting us to use it, use us to fulfill the very need that he's calling, calling us to, excuse me. What if? God is just waiting for us to step up. We want other people to build first, because if they build, then it's easy for us to build. Somebody else is doing it. But maybe God's waiting for you to set the culture in your workplace. But you're so caught up in complaining about the culture that you're never able to set the culture, and so now you're all stuck in the culture. It's real quiet up in this church. You know what I'm saying? Could it be? If we really want to build something that we desire, number one, but then I believe also that God wants to build in us and through us. Could it be that he's waiting for us to step up? Could it be? Just, just, just dream with me for a second. Could it be that God loves you so much that in your whole circle of influence of people in your life, in your school, in your dorm rooms, in your apartments, in your homes, in your communities, in your wherever it is, could it be out of all those people, he loves you so much that he's allowing you the opportunity to be used by him. And so he shows you something before someone else so that you'll step up and be the person he's called you to be. It's real quiet, my gosh, I'm sorry. Step up, you know, and I'm a big football person. I love to watch football and you know, I, I'm what people call an armchair quarterback. I don't know if you know what an armchair quarterback is and if you don't, that's all good, I'll explain it to you. It's a person that's sitting in his recliner and he's yelling that he can do everything they're doing 20 times better than they can. I can tell, I can tell you how to coach, I can tell you how to run the play, I can tell you how to throw the ball, I can tell you how to, I can tell you how to run the ball, I can tell you how to catch the ball. I am the incredible maybe the best at armchair quarterbacking. I mean, the very best. But here's the problem. A lot of times what we do as is, is, is humans is we armchair everything else. Some of us in this room, maybe all of us in the room, we're real good at being armchair husbands and armchair wives and armchair boyfriends and armchair, armchair employees. Oh, my goodness, we can get so good at how, how we would do it better if we were the bosses. Really would you is that why he or she is the boss and you're not because you could do it better? Yeah, it's just the enemy attacking me (laughs) Really You'll never know the weight of what your boss is carrying and so here's what it is Maybe you're meant there to lift their arms up But you're so caught up in complaining that you're in armchairing that you can't step up and help Is this all right? We got a lot of armchair Christians that can do it a whole lot better. Really? That's great. I would love for you to come and help me do it better. Because I know I don't do it real good. It's all good. Here's the the challenge. Nehemiah. We really want to build the way God wants us to. We got to be people that are willing to step up. Step up in your relationships. Step up in your finances. Maybe it's time to stop spending. Stop blaming so-and-so or stop blaming something, something, something. Stop blaming the issue. Maybe it's time to stop spending. Maybe it's time to step up in that area. Maybe it's time to step up in your walk with God and say, I'm going to stop using the excuses of all the things I have going on. I'm going to start creating disciplines in my life to step up and really do it. Maybe it's in your home with your relationships and it's time to step up and say, I'm going to be the one to serve First. I'm going to be the one to serve first in my home. I'm going to be the one to serve first. Because it's easy to be served. It's easy to serve after we've been served. But are we willing to step up and say, if I really want a healthy marriage, for those that are married, if I really want a healthy marriage, maybe God God is calling me to step up and start to serve first. I'm not going to say maybe he is. He is calling us all to step up and serve first. Step up. Nehemiah shows us an incredible way to continue to build. Very quickly in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 16, the city officials did not know I had been out there and I was doing what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. This is after he had been sent by the king back to Jerusalem. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, to the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king, and they replied at once this. They said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. How do we really build our lives The way I believe God desires for us to, we have to be people that are willing to identify the source, to seek God, to step up, but then also to stand together. We need each other. We're, we are a culture and a society where, for some reason, we think that on social media we expose everything, but then in real life and we just we, we hide all the things that really matter, and we just we expose this facade of what life is, and it gets to this com- com- place with our conversations where we're just very surface level. And God desires for us to be a people to know if we're really going to build the way that He desires for us to: our lives, our marriages, our families, our homes, our children, our relationships, our our finances. We need to stand together. We need each other. And I talk about this a lot, so I'm not going to go real deep into it, but I do know this. Isolation is, a, is one of the greatest keys of the enemy. He tries to cause us to become isolated. And from isolation, then what happens is we start, we start to get to the point of where now we lose interest in whatever it is because we've been isolated. And so God desires for us to do life together and stand together in our lives. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10 as I close. I'm going to read you seven scriptures, so just kind of hang with me here. But this is the people of Judah began complaining. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build a wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying before they know what ha- what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the, uh, the, uh, excuse me, I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their plan and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of maul. The the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers, check this out, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting the load and one hand holding a weapon. I love this, given this concept of us, God desiring for us to be people that build we see the story of Nehemiah, we walking with him, he says, give me some tips on how to build. He says, listen, you gotta be a person that identifies the source, what needs to be built up, and then you gotta be one that seek God first. He's the one that can really build your life, not anything else. Seek the Holy Spirit and allow him to be the one to build you up. Then you gotta be one that you gotta step up. You gotta say, okay, if we're really gonna really do this, this is gonna be built up. I gotta be the first. I gotta say, put me in, coach, send me. Then you got to stand together, lock arms with your people, and say, "Hey, let's walk together in unity and do what God has called us to do, and build our lives the way God's called us to." But then I love this. The Scripture says that they hear the enemy's going to attack, and all these people are getting concerned. And so here's what he does. He says, "Here's what I'm going to do." He said, "I'm going I'm, I'm to have the laborers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have put in one hand, I'm going to put a hammer. I'm going to put your, I'm going to put your supplies, and the other hand, I want you to, I'm going to give you a sword." So now they're trying to build a wall with one, one hammer, one tool, and the other with a sword. I don't know about you, but anything I've ever tried to build, I can't do it with two hands, much less one. But it's interesting that Nehemiah gives him a hammer or whatever tool it was, and he gives him a sword or a shield. It shows me this. If we're really going to be people that build our lives the way God desires for us to, to build up our lives the way he's called us to, we have to be people that have supplies and have shields. You had to supplies and shields. Well, what in the world are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. The, the tools, the supplies, were meant to continue to build the wall. The shield was there to protect them from what was already built on the wall. It's the same thing with you and I. If we're really going to be people that live the way and build the way God desires for us to, we need to be people that are, one, continuing to grow, continue to build, continue to do what God has called us to do. But then, two, got to make sure that we're protecting and what God has already given us in our lives. You can't do one or the other. You can't just protect if you're just protecting, here's what happens. Now you're never growing, so now we're living in fear because now we don't know what's going to happen, so we're just going to keep our four, four and no more, and we're just going to make sure we hover over our children, and we're just going to protect them so nothing happens. Listen, I'm all for protecting your children, but if you're just protecting your children, what's going to happen is at some point they're going to step out, and they're never grown the way that God desires for them to, and so now they miss out on things, and maybe they fall into stuff because you've not taught them and helped them to grow the way that you've been called to. So that being said, We protect, but we also help them grow. It's the same thing with our spiritual walk. We protect our lives. For those that are single in the room, we protect our purity. We protect and make sure you're you're continuing to walk in purity and walk with integrity and doing what God's called you to do if you're single. But then also you desire to continue to grow relationally so that way when one day you do meet the person God is, you're not just pure, you're also mature in your walk in faith with him so that you can handle the relationship that God wants to give you. We protect We also build. Got to have supplies. Got to have shields. It's so vital as Christians that we would do this, that we would protect our relationship with God, that we would protect our standards. People are coming against the Word from every aspect of life in our culture. They're all coming against the Word and what the Word says and what the Bible says. We have to protect the truth. We have to protect the standards, but we can't just stop at protecting. We have to continue to build and and do what God has called us to do. Why? Because we, if we just protect, then we're not reaching people. Then people that are far from God, they just see the shields and they can't get in. But we also are continuing to build and grow and reach people. Why? Because God knows, the Bible says, the harvest is great and the labors are few. We want to protect the truth, yes, but we also want to shine the truth for those around us in our culture and our society. Because we know Jesus is the only only one that saves. Does this make sense? Supplies and shields. Got to build. I don't know what in your life you need to target what needs to be built up. Again, maybe it's something in your spiritual walk. Maybe it's in your relationship. Maybe it's with your finances, maybe it's with your heart. Maybe it's with your mental health. I don't know. I do know this: that we all have things in our lives that God's wanting to work on. So I pray this. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help you identify those things so that you can begin to target those things so that you can continue to be the person God's called you to be. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray today? God, I thank you.